What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 514 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined as always by Funky Ben Askren. And I have two guest co-hosts today. I'm only in here for a couple minutes because I am here in New Jersey in Rhino Wrestling Facility because we're doing a, a bunch of promo shoots for our July 25th card. we got Daniel Roy Lobdale Jr. and making his Flow Wrestling Radio Live debut, Big Mouth Billy Bats. <laughs> Oh, and JD later. <laughs> What's up, JD? What's going on, everybody? Episode five one five, my hometown area code. Happy to be here. Oh, What's that? Uh, Ames? Ames, Ames or something? Baby. Central Iowa. Ames. Okay, Central Iowa. What a fantastic place. God's country. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, I'm I'm really excited. I'm only gonna be on like 10, 15 minutes because we've got a NJRTC practice coming coming our way soon. We got Reese. Pat Downey, Anthony Ashnall, all going to be here. I don't know who else. We got a day full of interviews and promo shoots. We did Chimizo yesterday. It was uh, unsurprisingly awesome. He has a, an amazing story, I think, as we know. He kind of elaborated a little bit. I, I, I learned uh, a little more about what kind of led to his, uh, I guess, defection from Cuba. Um, I don't know how you much give you, us the, you know. Could you give us the clip notes on that one? Because yeah. I don't really know at all. So Cliff notes are this, he in 2011 missed weight or could not make weight or managed his weight poorly at 55 kilograms yeah. and was suspended for not making weight basically. Really? And was pun Yeah, he was like punished for doing it and like for very Whoa. obvious reasons. He was, he was he was like I can't make it, right? I, was I, like, can't, I can't believe someone who's kilograms. about to wrestle 79 kilos struggled to make 55 kilos. It's a really weird thing. <laughs> so he ends up like he, – he, he said on multiple times he was in the streets, right, of, of Cuba. He wasn't wrestling. He had like three years where he was just off off the grid basically, not training. What? Three and, years? Yeah. Yeah. He said three wow, years on the street. I didn't street. realize that. And then so – Why he, would – okay, well, hold me. on. Oh, wait, I, I got so many questions about this, Christian. You might be on here more than uh -oh. 10 minutes now because I'm going to grill you. Okay, number one, are Cuban athletes paid some type of stipend? I guess I don't even know the answer to this. And then number two, what kind of idiot Cuban coach kicked the, this international treasure to me off the team for three years for missing weight? Like, dude, he missed weight. Shut up. Put him back on the team in the next weight class. Yeah, that I don't know. Um, so as far as the stipend, I, I, don't, I doubt there's much. But what I anticipate is like your life is kind of more taken care of. You're given a place mm -hmm. to stay. You're given – you're kind of in school, you're getting food, et cetera. It's kind of like more provided for than this, this, is my, this is my guess. We didn't get into all this and why the coaches were that dumb. I had the same question, um, but Seriously. I didn't ask it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like, you know, it's Frank Chimizo. He had already meddled for you at Worlds, right? In at like, 2010. At, at age like 17. Yeah, hey, he's very young, right? He's so you're going to, I don't know. So, so maybe there's more to the story, but. Either way, I think bad judgment from the Cuban national team, and now it's you know to Team Italy's benefit. And but really, what was most surprising or most interesting about that is like, dude, this guy was off the grid for that long, and then he wins worlds in 2015. That's insane. Like in the okay. weight he won had Romanov, 
had Asgarov, had Nerusov in it, Brent Metcalf. Like he won yeah. a ridiculous Rahimi or not Rahimi. Um, who's it? Mohammed Mohammedi was in that way. Like ridiculous, and he won it after that kind so, of a layoff. That's it's it's really incredible. So what was the like? When did he actually arrive in Italy and was on the team in Italy? And then how long was that prior to the Worlds of 2015? Was it six months? Was it a year? You know what was it? I don't know. I don't know the exact timeline, but like around 2014. Right. Yeah. It. So it was it was fun watching him practice, um, watching him train, getting to talk with Coach Kalika, caught up with Evan Wick, who's training with uh, Frank. So that was that was cool as well, and just kind of talking about you know. Here's the number one thing I learned from Frank Chimizo, and the most interesting. He I think he put it in the most eloquent way possible because like there's so much curiosity as a, as american wrestling fans about like the cuban and russian system and he put mm-hmm. it in i think maybe other people have said this but I've, I've never heard it or never processed he i was like explain the difference and he's like in america they try to put the style of wrestling on you and in you in cuba and russia they just try to pull it out of you and try to get you not to fit an archetype, but you have to figure out your way of wrestling. And he said, that's why there's no one that wrestles like me because they don't teach you mm-hmm. to wrestle a certain way. They teach you and equip you on how to figure out how you wrestle best. And then just well, trying to Ben's emphasize. talked a lot right? about that. Like, you're not explosive, so you didn't do explosive technique. You found out how to scramble yeah. and how to outscramble people and how to lock up mm-hmm. a cradle. Yeah. I, I, would, yeah. I would be more – yeah, I mean, that would be – you know what? Now that you're talking about this, Christian, it's like I I do – I don't ever remember thinking, you know, hearing deeply about the Cuban wrestling system, um, and, and it kind of makes me wonder why I've never heard about it. We should we should uh, maybe do a little piece now that, you know, you know Echimendia is in America – Chimizo's fairly accessible. You got Yul Romero in Florida. I mean, there's a handful of Cubans who wrestled at a very high level who are fairly accessible. It would be real interesting to hear more and more about that system because obviously they're a country with a fairly small population with not all that great of resources who's had a tremendous amount of success in the sport of wrestling um, in the last, I don't know, what, 20 years? Yeah, and I would say um... – I'm pretty sure I asked explicitly. I was like, "What are the similarities between the Cuban and the Russian system?" He's like, "They're the same." He's, he he basically said oh, really? they're basically identical. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that interesting. Yeah, but but it, but it makes sense with the you know the the ties between those two nations just politically back in the day. I think Russia has yeah. had real influence. Oh yeah. So, interesting yeah, stuff. So- I just looked it up because I, I I knew it was low, but the population of all of Cuba is 11 million. So when you think about how many world medalists they've put out in the last 20 years, and again, scarce resources, small population, and they just keep producing you know, world-level athlete after world-level athlete, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, incredible. Um, mm-hmm. I'll tell one more story, and then I'll, I'll let you guys, let you guys have, a, have a fun show. But, um, cool. So here, look behind me. Hold on. Uh-oh. So you Uh-oh. see, this is Shane Van Ness, okay? Okay. Hold on. I'm having a hard time with the left-right system. We, we see there it. We go. Oh, we it see stops. It. Yeah, we got it. We got that. It took me a second. Okay, so he comes in. This is his, his dad's club here. Um, oh, his dad runs so he, the club. Yes. 
So he oh, showed up yesterday, and he's just coming and watching. I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Shane Van Ness is here. He's watching Shimizu work out and stuff. And then he, he leaves, and Mike's like, did you see that? I was like, no. Like, he goes and talks to Chimizo for a second, then, you know, he leaves. And he's like, he just went up to Chimizo, said, hey, I'm Shane Van Ness, and in four years I'm going to beat you. <laughs> and then we left. I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy. And I was like, all right, I kind of I kind of buy it. This kid is, like, so fired up. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's really good. And as, I think that, like, that's one of those – you know, we'll see. We'll see what materializes with Shane's career. I think yeah. he's, he's really excellent. I think that's a pretty uh, interesting mindset. I don't know if that's something that that Ben Funky Askren would ever do, but it, it sounds uh, uh, <laughs> reminiscent. I did of something. It. The Funky. You want to hit? Yeah. Well, you know what? It's funny, Christian. I'm, I'm going to take two angles on this. Number one, there are those kids who are significantly more arrogant than they probably should be, and you'll hear this from a whole bunch of kids. You know, over I, I've had many kids come up and say something similar to me and obviously not all of them are for real but at uh, let me think 2001 junior duel no 2002 junior duel so this is after my senior year of high school tyrone lewis was working for team oklahoma and i told him me and matt pell went up to him and said we're wrestling at missouri next year and uh i can't remember if we're gonna beat you or we're you know something i, I we gave him a hard time about something he kind of ha 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 laughed it off and then sure enough, you know, six years later, that's who I beat to make the Olympic team. That's awesome. Very good. Yeah. I, I, I'm not surprised to learn that. Um, <laughs> no man, JD, anything before I, I leave you? Yeah, so I just I, – I want uh, – real quick, if you could just kind of tell the people what the plan is, you know, if we're going to roll some of this out beforehand, if we're going to roll it out. Uh, it sounds like some of it's going to be on the, the Dake Chimizo stream, but this is all kind of uh, building building for Dake Chimizo. If you can kind of give the people an idea of the content rollout for this. So yeah. content rollout. Um, I we're Mike uploaded a practice. I think you should see that at some point today, if not in the near future. Chimizo's practice. I think the long form interview uh, that I did with Frank should be up in the next couple of days or so. Uh, today we have Downey and National. Tomorrow is David Taylor, Luke Pletcher, and then Thursday is Kyle Dake. And we're all following kind of a similar blueprint. We're getting promo stuff. We're getting uh, practice footage, we're getting promo interviews, and then more of a long-form interview and other other content along the way. So you should start seeing stuff soon, and I'm very hopeful that you will see a really dope, quick little promo that our man Sean Connell put together. It is freaking – it is so it is so sick. You're going to love it. Um, so that's, that's the uh, approximate plan. Obviously, we hope we come in with a plan of getting X, Y, and Z, and then <laughs> invariably we always get a lot more, so – Hopefully, there's some fun surprises along the way. Excellent. And with Pat Downey, there's nothing but surprises. <laughs> For sure. Well, CP, we're, cool. we're uh, excited to, to see what you got coming out there. So don't screw up today, but thanks for coming on, buddy. Thank you. I will try not to. You guys have fun. Don't, don't get me in trouble. I will try. <laughs> have a good one. Can't promise. See you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Later. All right. Now that he's gone, you want to bring Sion on? Yeah. All right, Sion, <laughs> go ahead. Come in. <laughs> Oh, I forgot about Sion. That was another one who I uh, <laughs> co-hosted with. Probably the, the most notorious, the best. Yeah, um, man, that that's really interesting, and, and I'm glad that I'm glad that they're able to get some stuff out right away. Um, you know, kind of keep that momentum going for for Dake Chimizo. But Sean Connell, I don't know. Has has CB told you about Sean Connell, uh, Ben? I don't. 
I've heard the name, but I, I don't think I know. Video him wizard. You, I guarantee you've seen probably what two dozen of his videos on okay. social media or on the site, and I, he's he's one of my favorite uh, at shooter editors. Just all encompassing badass video guy that we have. Yeah. 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 Uh, I I don't know anything. I mean, I've heard the name again, but I don't really know him. Is there? A but I'm excited guy? to see. Is there a better guy to watch practice if you're a younger wrestler than Frank Chimizo to learn how to flow and spar? Mm. He's yeah, got to be up there. Probably, probably not. I mean, let me th- hmm, Yanni maybe. I mean, y- yeah. Yanni would, is is pretty high level there. Um, I'm sure some of the Penn State guys are all you know. Something we talk about, they they probably do a lot. K- Kale doesn't give us the exact recipe, but I'm assuming there's a lot of sparring in their recipe without knowing. Um, so you know, just some of those guys flow really nice. Hey, so this, we we dropped the We Are episode three trailer mm-hmm. yesterday, and yeah. the I don't know if it's, this is the name of the episode, but like on the site, you know, the the banner title is Kale the Enigma. Um, do we put too much emphasis on the wrestling and less on the mental? You know, the the way they speak to them, the way the guys speak to each other, the way I mean. Yeah. Every every team has a sports psychologist now, right? Um, the the sleep aspect, the nutrition aspect. Do we put too much on the wrestling and say, oh, they do something different wrestling, well, mo- and not enough on maybe some of the ancillary things that go into being an athlete? Well, how much more can you say about those extra things other than what's he doing? We don't know. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. what yeah. more can you say? Really, he's been so secretive. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that is true. We don't really know. I would say so. The guy who I worked with a lot, who talked to me to go to grad school for sports psych, was a guy named Rick McGuire. He was the head of USA, USA Track and Field Sports Psych. He was also the head coach of track and field at the University of Missouri. And you know, one of the things that he always said to me, because I got to do a few, uh, not called private lessons, private courses, where it was just literally me, me and him. Right, we were talking. That was the that was the court, college course. Um, he said one of the biggest things you can do is is not literally separate sports psych, but put sports psych within within the sport, right? Inter, interweave it into everything that you do. And so, like, you know, we had a, I had a practice last night, and that's one of the things I try to do when we're talking about working a position, and then we talk about, you know, well, what about this move? Well, it ain't just about the moves. It's about the psychology of the wrestling. Well, what is he going to do next? How are you making your opponent feel? Are you making them feel where they have to take a risk? Are you making them feel like they're in a bad spot? Like the, literally the psychology of the sport is is within the sport. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Well, if you think about Terry and you think about the Kendall, the, the Kendall Cross you know, arc, that yeah. scene um, where he says, I watched him not so much for his wrestling, but to try to get to know him, what he was thinking during a match, yeah. what his mannerisms were. That kind of sounds like mm-hmm. what you're getting to, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean – you, you can't really – so obviously I would say like on a lower level, maybe you want to teach some of the concepts of sports psychology. But, man, these uh, these guys at Penn State, they're all, they're all elite-level athletes. And whether they totally understand it or not, they probably have basic understanding of more, most sports psych concepts. So then you got to talk about how it interweaves within the wrestling itself. You know, like um, – Let's see, a big one, I'm just going to throw one out there, but you know, a big one that a lot of athletes have issues with is they get frustrated when things don't go their way. And this is maybe like they're, they're not getting the right setup. 
And so they get frustrated. So they take a bad shot that they probably shouldn't have, right? Or they force a shot and that leads to something bad, right? So you have to teach them um, patience and discipline and that type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like it really interweaves within the whole sport. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, to be fair, it's not, it's not just Kale doing this obviously, right? I mean, they're, they're clearly doing it on a different level than everyone, but I think a lot of programs with the means, obviously, but a lot of programs employ, uh, sports psychologist or at least i'm sure even small programs may not be able to have a full-time one try to bring people in to discuss Mm -hmm. these with them or look within the university for resources you know if there's a professor or someone that they could that they could kind of bring along with them um so i think and rightfully so a lot of and honestly high school programs too are starting to do this they're really starting to look at okay well if if everyone is kind of around a similar talent level physical attributes you know obviously kind of distribute differently but then what is the magic sauce yeah how you feel how and how you take care of your body and how you take care of your mind well i i, th- I mean but i think once you get to a higher level um you know everyone is maybe not to the same level but everyone's pretty strong and pretty fast and pretty good cardio right i mean there's not gigantic level discrepancies between these and then everyone has a decent understanding of wrestling knowledge and so for me, it's like, how do you think about the sport is going to have a lot of impact on how you continue to progress as you get older? And, you know, one thing I talked about with a bunch of my kids, you know, I'm really thankful that a lot of my kids are, they're very inquisitive and they ask questions that really like test me. But they were talking about, obviously, after we are, they were talking about the kale thing and Penn State. And, you know, I said, I think one of the things they do really well at Penn State is they continue to progress as wrestlers. And there's a lot of, a lot of programs who, when you get to college on, on day one, that's about as far as technical as technically as you're going to progress. And then it's just going to be about working hard. But again, at that level, how much stronger or how much faster can you get? And the answer is probably not that much. How much more in shape can you get? Probably not that much. So if you're not adding new technique to your repertoire, you're, you're probably going to hit a ceiling, especially in wrestling in 2020. Wrestling in 2020 is not wrestling in 2000. Um, and that's something, you know, you have to have that mentality because there's a lot of kids who are stubborn and just working harder is easier than, you know, dissecting your own wrestling and saying, oh, why can't I finish this single leg against a shin wizard? Or why can't I finish my high crotch in a crackdown? Or why do I struggle getting away from a leg ride? That stuff is a lot more difficult than just saying, oh, I'm just going to shoot another 20 single legs. Well, and this is something you've talked about as far as, expanding your repertoire of and i think this is something we've seen with guys coming in young and either winning a national title or like their best year or the best year or two was freshman and sophomore and then mm-hmm. as juniors and seniors they either didn't have as much success or maybe their level of dominance wasn't as high or you know if they were <clears throat> a number one through four guy they kind of dipped to like a three through six and of course there's other things yeah. going to that too right like five years of college wrestling you get beat up you know my my dad always said, like, just getting through five years of wrestling is – five years of Division One college wrestling is an accomplishment in and of itself. Whether or not yeah, you start, whether or not you're an All-American, just making it through physically and mentally. And yeah. To bring it back to the thing you guys were talking about a week or two ago, the top five Penn State guys, all those guys had much better numbers – as they progress, maybe, you know, junior, mm. senior year were better, but their freshman year for all of them was considerably yes. worse. 
Agreed. Agreed totally. And so that was, I mean, but no matter what you're saying, it's like, the other thing is like, it's easy to do like just more reps drilling or more lifting or more running. It's easy to do that. <laughs> and a lot of people don't like the really deep thinking, like, why can't I finish my high crotch? But to some of those guys who uh, had success early and failed to have success late, it's because, man, there's a lot of brilliant minds in college wrestling. So, no, man, if you come in at college with, say, an unstoppable high crotch, but that's all you have, you might get it a lot of freshman year because no one's scouted you. No one knows you. No one's felt you. And you might get that one move or maybe those couple moves a lot. But then at the end of the day, if you're technically limited, if you never progress beyond that, Dude, you're telling me the best minds in wrestling have three years to scout you and you think you're going to get the same exact moves? Like, come on. That's just not going to happen. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> um, so we got uh, we got a clip right here. I think it's the, the We Are trailer. We got two clips coming for you. We either got the We Are trailer or we oh. got the, the Chimizo one. So let's go Ooh. ahead and, and let that rip here so the people can see it if they missed it last night. Everybody know you got that matter who you are, who you represent. You scare me. You guys scare me. Absolutely, 100%. I know you guys scare me. Well, that got the blood flowing. <laughs> Uh, what is it about the the Cubans? They have that little raspiness to their voice. Doesn't that make everything sound cooler? Yol has it big time. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, just and you know, Chimizo writes so well traveled. I mean, you know, had a coach from Dagestan. Obviously, spent time in Italy. He's in New York, but even in New York, right? Valentin is is uh, Ukrainian native. Kendall obviously want someone that a, a lot of people find, you know would consider very creative um, and, and interesting go. wrestler. And so just. Chimizo has had all these influences both in his life and in his wrestling um, that makes him so kind of fascinating. And then obviously Dake, you know, if you hear, if you think about the uh, uh, My Best Rival and Dake mm-hmm. talking about, you know, I had little goals, right? I wanted to be a county champ and then a state champ. And kind of he he was never super big on the, the, the large goals. And so just two guys with tremendously interesting mindsets and intellects uh, about the sport. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited for that match. Um, we, yeah, we got we got that Penn State tangent, but I was kind of having fun discussing that. Uh, do we want to wrap that up and just move on to the Sebastian Rivera stuff or what? Can we play the trailer for episode three real quick? Oh. Sorry, sorry to go back to back clips on you guys, we're, we're, but we we're, 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 we we're going back to back Penn State. Yeah. Let's well, no, back there's, State. there's no there's no Penn State Dick Chimizo. Well, this clip is tremendous too, it. though. All right, go ahead, let it rip, Tyler. Oh, what's going on? We lost it for a second. Sorry, t- we uh, there take we go. two. I'll answer both questions and he answers mine. Kale Sanders. Most people in the wrestling community think that Kale is very stoic, and he can be. Was there any doubt of this team after the big times? You want me to say yes? The dude's funny. For real, <laughs> he is one of the most sarcastic people. So what, what do you need to work on heading into the big team tournament? 
Oh, wrestling. Just wrestling. Like, and just this beautifully dry kind of sense of humor. Is it even possible to replace Ed Ruth and David Taylor? Not unless we can get a, another year out of them, you know? We're uh, exhausting all means. I mean, we're, we're, we're looking into every possible way to make that happen. Kale is extremely secretive. What adjustments did you make, if any? Control. I don't want to say paranoid, but I kind of want to say paranoid. Is it 100% that uh, you won't pull any red shirts remaining this year? Uh, pull a red shirt? What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, so you got Nico, Zane, Nolf, Nevels, and... What, what do you think? Are you, uh, you got a plan or something? Or... <laughs> Oh, dunking all over that. CP and Bracky. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> I love that you guys ended on that clip. That that was uh that was perfect. That was the Vince Carter dunk uh in the uh, Olympics. Oh, over uh, <laughs> Frederick Weiss. Yeah. Um that has to be one of the more well, I mean that's got to be one of the most famous clips on Flow, right? Just in gotta terms be. of yeah. public usage. But it's fantastic. Yes. So that's coming out Good. uh episode 3 coming out next Wednesday. Watch it, or you're gonna hate yourself. Cause no man, uh, you know I know you love CP, and I I really love him too. But don't you think a lot of people love seeing CP get dunked on there? Yeah, but that's yeah. that's part of his <laughs> that's part of his thing at this point, right? Like he yes. and he knows it, and he knows it. Yeah, he's basically Floyd Mayweather. I, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't quite go Floyd Mayweather, <laughs> but Colby Covington. I mean, look. Someone has to wear the black hat, right? Like, in any good, in, in, in to yes. draw people in. So, and Ben knows this very well as a as a fight yes. fight promoter. Like, you have mm-hmm. to make people care, and there's you you can care because they love you, or you can care because they hate you. But they have to care. Otherwise, they're not gonna yes. they're not gonna watch. They're not gonna listen. They're not gonna pay attention. They're not yes. going to intake what you yes. are saying. I am amazed at how many people hate watch. Anything. Hate watch the news. Hate watch FRL. Hate watch movies. It boggles my mind. It seems unenjoyable yeah. to intake media that you hate and not that that you enjoy. But maybe you got they got some demons inside them. I can't get they can't exercise or something. They absolutely have some demons. Um, ben, we have hey, more uh, clips as we get into the Seabass thing. You want you want to get started with that? Oh my! Well, I wanted. There's one question on the FRL. Um, um, uh, not after all, the Facebook chat, and someone said, you know, unless you're Spencer and he's got the arm bar, he's going to arm bar you. Top technique is different. I should I should have maybe alluded to that. Obviously, top is a position where you can enforce your will. So generally speaking, you can stick with roughly the same techniques, obviously. Like, say I added an assassin because I was struggling to get to my cradles. Like, you want to have a few things to do. But, you know, Spencer does. He's got a bar. He's got a roll-through tilt. He's got, you know, he's got a regular tilt. He's got a handful of things there. Um, but on, on your feet, you know, if you look at Spencer on his feet, he's very diverse. He's got great basic defense. He's great at scrambling. He's got a good high crotch. He's got a good dump. You know, he does a lot of things really well. He, he's not very simple on his feet. The, the the thing I like comparing it to, Ben, and it's I, I think you maybe find interesting the person I realize this with. So you know how when you're a pitcher – Right, and you want your release point to kind of be the same, but you have maybe three different pitches from that release mm, yes. point. Yeah, I like that when wrestlers do that. And the person that actually, not maybe the first one I recognize it, but the first one I was like consciously thinking about it. Um, Kayla Miracle when she was coming up through, and I think it was my first women's nationals. I was like, oh, she okay. 
she shoots the same way, but three different finishes based on how the person reacts. And so comparing it to yeah. like the the pitcher, I, I just think that's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to make sure people, I was very clear that I'm in neutral position, not on top. Yes. All right, you want to get in the Seabass so, thing? Let's do it. I, I, I think I watched this last night, but let's, uh, yeah, let's roll, the, roll the footage. Well, we don't, have, we don't have to roll the footage just yet, but so last night on Bader Show, we had Sebastian Rivera and Matt Sorniolo. And if you don't watch the Bader Show, you absolutely should because we've had like three, four hundred different guests since quarantine started. And we hear lots of good stories. You know, we, we, we learned mm-hmm. the story of Matt Storniolo's transfer, which I don't think a lot of people know. He actually went through a transfer from, from Penn State to Oklahoma. Yep. And What was uh, – I don't really re- remember exactly. Was there a change in coaching staff or something? I don't really remember exactly. No, it was a it was a grades issue. He had a, a oh, registrar really? issue, a summer class issue. And <clears throat> not to spoil it because I just want people to go watch it, but – that kind of forced his hand, and he had to transfer to Oklahoma. He went from Penn State to Oklahoma, for those that don't know, mm-hmm. and yep. after his, his uh, redshirt freshman year. And Oklahoma had already started classes. Oh, I don't – man, I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, all right, so, Ben, you're – I mean, at, as far as the the transfer itself, I don't think there's much to talk about, right? I mean, CP talked about yes. – Last week, it was one of the worst-kept secrets. Everyone knows Sebastian yeah. loves New Jersey. He talked about it on, on the show. And as far as Rutgers is concerned, it's pretty straightforward. Sebastian is going to go 41. Alvarez or Suriano is going to go 33. Yeah, I did have Nikki push-ups last week, and I have not heard back. Nikki push-ups is off social media. <laughs> well... I think yeah. what fifty fifty chance he makes his return. You go, you go that high. <laughs> Whoa! Why do you why do you think fifty fifty? So I think the way Nick Soriano thinks about college wrestling, well, he thinks about his brand, the Soriano brand. So how can really? I maximize? You think? <laughs> I think so. Like, how can I maximize my exposure and myself? Wow. And does. Being on the ESPN primetime stage on Saturday in March, does that do enough for your brand to warrant coming back and going to school and going through a year of folk style wrestling? I don't think he knows yet. But, I think but he's what still are, what saying are, what maybe. What are his other options? But, J.D., then what are his other options? Is he Olympics? Gonna, is just focus on Olympics? But that's – I mean, that's kind of like – I don't want to say uh, – like behind the scenes, but you know, a lot of that stuff that you're not going to have a lot of publicity when you're, when you're doing that stuff. Um, I, I guess it would, it would matter what his ultimate goal is. And um, I actually kind of, when I look through Nick's Instagram, I don't really think of this as planned. I think of this as like, this is genius by accident. That's how I feel about it. That's still genius though, Ben genius by accident <laughs> is just as legitimate <laughs> as genius any other way. It is, but you know the man's sitting out front of the freaking pest repellent shop with big things coming. You're like, wait, what does this mean? Is he does he have a secret message in here for us, or or does he just not know what he's doing? That there's a pest repellent shop behind him. Well, his father that's his father's shop. Oh, see, like you know, but the, but the, the viewer, how do I know that? No man, you, you don't. That's the beauty. Yes, this is what I'm saying. You know, it's genius by accident. Hey, let's let's run this Sebastian clip real quick from Bader Show yesterday. 
All right, so you're going to Rutgers. How many times have you been asked what weight you're going this year and when are you going to announce that you're going 65? 65. <laughs> um, I've been asked a lot, right? Uh, everybody wants to know. It, 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 there's so many people that believe I'm going 57 because you guys posted that. That it's you, actually unbelievable. Okay, hold on. I'm going to yell at you. It. You started that by calling yourself Thick Bass. I did. I know that's cool. I like thick bass, but people actually believe I'm going 157 pounds. People are putting, oh, he's transferring from Northwestern because he can't beat Ryan Deacon in a wrestle off. I'm like, yo, you guys really think I'm that big? Like, <laughs> you guys are nuts. Like, what is going on? But I'm gonna go 41 for sure. I think All that's right. that's just the right move for me. For sure. Okay. 113, so. 125, 133, 141. So maybe eventually. <laughs> No, kidding. So does that also mean 57 kgs is out for Olympic aspirations? Yes, 100%. <laughs> Just checking. 100%. Zit, look, uh, Zit, Mike Zadick went 60 kilos, and he wrestled 149 in college. So I just wanted to double it check. It also wasn't day of weigh-ins. Yeah, then. it was the day before. Yeah, day exactly. Before. Right? You could kill yourself, basically, and step on a scale and then be fine to go the next day. It's crazy. I'm glad, I'm glad none of yeah. us – I'm glad I didn't live in that era. Right. <laughs> so you're going 41. We'll wait and see what happens at 33. Um, obviously, we've got some red shirts to play with there with, with Alvarez and Aragona. And then we'll see if uh, Nicky Soriano shows up. Did you did, – I mean, when you were wrestling him, it. is it weird to think back about wrestling him and, like, some of those battles and I'd be like, oh, man, we might be teammates this year? No, I've, I've always had respect for Nick. Um, no, nah, he's – He's a good kid, so, yeah, I don't think it's going to be weird at all. I think people probably think we're going to get into it at the in the in the room and stuff. Uh, I just I don't know. I'm I'm past that. I'm again we're getting old in this game. I'm I'm just looking to get him better. I'm looking at him for him to make me better, and that's that's all it's about at the end yeah. of the day. And that's why I really hope he comes back and we can put this to work and we'll have a great team. That'd be a great situation. Obviously, it goes without saying that'd be a great situation for you, right? Um, yeah, um, he, yeah. And I hope so for him. So. That's yeah, for why both I of hope you. We Absolutely. Figure this out. Um, Lubina. Hey, my 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 first take here, man, was when, when you were talking about fifty-seven in the beginning. I I kind of did not. I thought you were talking about fifty-seven kg, not one hundred fifty-seven pounds. Oh um, uh, yeah. Which you because know, he wrestled fifty-seven at the Puerto Rican trials this year, so you know it's feasible to think he's still going down there. But no, obviously in that in that video right there, he looks fairly large, and so I'm glad <laughs> that he, he ruled that ruled that out totally. Yeah, and I mean, look, he's he's hinted at that before, and it sounds like even if he was staying in Northwestern, that was probably going to be the plan. Um, but just one more one more bit of evidence, you know, even closer to the the season that we hope happens. Sebastian saying he's going to go. Uh, 141 for Rutgers. I think the really interesting one would be if Suriano came back as a 125. Oh, and he's going 57. I assume he's going 57 kilos, 57 kilos kilos for Olympics, and Olympic trials is going to be right after NCAs. Yeah, I mean, 50 guys, 57 kg with the current weighing rules is essentially the same thing as 125. It's not really different, right? It's, it's relatively the same thing. So with Spencer and with Dayton and with Soriano, if any of them went 125 or, or Stevan Michik, I'm not that surprised because 57 kg and and fit 125 pounds are relatively the same thing. 
You basically have to pitch count that though, if it's a yeah. tough pull. Yeah. That's the that's the thing though, Ben is you can't go a full yeah, folk style season true. doing that. But do we have a full yeah. folk style season this year? Well, and that's that's it, the thing, right? Like, is is there going to be is there going you know there's going to be worlds in December? If not, is there going to be another Olympic trials qualifier or event in the fall or winter that these guys can go to get match time at their freestyle weight and literally not have to care anything about college because it's not going to start until. Gen one or second. Yeah, semester. I mean, any any of those guys we mentioned could obviously do not a full schedule. And I think if you look at all of those teams, uh, without with just off the top of my head, it feels as though they have someone else who's decent that they could put in the lineup at one twenty five. If those guys aren't at that weight every single match. Mm. Um. So let's let's do uh, one more from Beta Show, and this is this is Sebastian himself talking about the three reasons that he went back to uh, Rutgers, back to Jersey. Oh, so good. you said um, you know the transfer had nothing to do with Northwestern; it had everything to do with where you're from and the opportunities for the future. And I, I maybe know where you're alluding to, but can you can you like tell us what those options, you know, what those things are, what what, what the reasons for the transfer were specifically? Um, yeah, I mean. Like I said, I didn't want to be in Chicago anymore. That's part of it too. Like, I'm not a Midwest guy. I'm a Jersey guy. So, um, it's just different worlds. Um, another big reason is I I, re- I really plan on getting into MMA after this is all said and done. Maybe a couple of years of wrestling after college, but and to do that, Frankie's here. Um, just like the other week, we have, we have Cody No Love here, Tamor. These are just high level guys that are just in Jersey to help Frankie train for his fight. And I, I get the opportunity to train with them because, because of who I am and what, what, what my dad owns and everything like that. And then last reason is really elite wrestling and my dad's club. And I would love to just be able to help him and we can start taking that off again. And maybe I'm, I might take, take a lead to that soon. So if I'm around, it's just easier to come to practices and just get that whole thing rolling. So that's, those are the big three reasons. There you have it from Lubina himself. The three Boom. reasons he went back. So, no, sh- no yeah. Chicago wasn't a fan of the cold. MMA, yeah, which we knew. The Midwest, the Midwest is great. That's right. Tell <laughs> JD Raider. Midwest is fine. It's the truth. Midwest is fine. And then elite wrestling, New Jersey. So Ben doesn't like the anti-Chicago take. Are you pro Chicago, Ben? Oh, I don't know about Chicago, but, you know, he kind of wrapped the whole Midwest together there. Uh, Lubina did. You know, maybe he shouldn't wrap us all together in one lump out here. But, yes, you East Coast guys, Nomad, you are fairly elitist. He's clearly <laughs> never been to the 515. <laughs> That's I'm all not, I got to say. I'm not elitist. I'm anti-cold. I'm, I'm well, bad with cold. I'm anti right? Moving down here, New Jersey cold? terrible decision. Not terrible. I love it here. But yeah. Jersey's kind of uh, cold. I'm also anti-hot, J.D. I agree with you on I, that. I can't walk down the street without breaking a sweat. Well, shave your damn beard yes. then, you caveman. <laughs> I did just trim it up. It was looking Santa Clausy almost. I don't mm. think people uh, realize, too. Some people do, but not everybody realize how much Seabass uh, admires Frankie Edgar. That was like his idol growing up and how close they've gone, how close they got, like – that's just a huge pull to get back, as he said himself. You know the whole MMA thing too. Well, that's the. I mean, that's his. His dad and Frankie Edgar have been together for. I don't know, twenty years, fifteen years, most of Sebastian's life, and certainly most of the life that he remembers. And 
So, yeah, of course, you know, I mean, Matt Sorniolo talked about when he came on after that. Of course, it, it, it hurts, but this is this is what's going to happen. This is what Sebastian wanted to do that, that was best for him. Um, ben, have you have you guys talked on here about Seabest as an MMA prospect, in your opinion? No, he's I mean, I, I think any any really high-level wrestler can transition and do really well. I think if you look at the track record, there's very, very, very few who did not do well. I think that one day we talked about it was funny because then I, I everything started clicking for me. It was that the Japanese mafia paid a lot of really elite international wrestlers to go lose in in Pride back in the day. But there was a lot of them who had just like one fight, and that was it. Because we were talking about the most elite MMA fighters. So we'll stick to uh, American elite wrestlers. And, you know, even you think like a guy like Jake Rasha, who was very elite, who didn't have as much success, but he was still like an average UFC-level fighter. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What I mean, because you kind of, think about UFC still the highest level, right? So being mid-level UFC well, means you're still way better than everybody else. I mean, so I would not say, so obviously, that's something. Yeah, it's a UFC, one championship, Bellator. There is more depth in the UFC, but there right. are very, very high-level fighters anywhere. So, you know, you don't see a lot of, of high-level wrestlers not have high-level success in whatever major promotion they're in, whether it's Bellator, one championship, or UFC. The other thing, he was wearing – a UFC sweatshirt on the interview. Yeah. But if you think about in general, which, which promotion puts resources into wrestlers kind of right away. Bellator. Bellator. Yeah. I think that's just their way of, I mean, just, just like I'm saying guys, it's it's obvious that really good wrestlers are going to be really good fighters. So Mm -hmm. if you bet on 10, 10 of them, you're going to get a couple superstars. Right. And that's kind of, what Bellator's model was because they needed a way to get the best fighters. Um, obviously, as a UFC fighter, they give you a, a ton of gear, like more than you can ever wear. And I only like wearing Rudis clothes, so like <laughs> you know, I keep I keep my Reebok sweat shorts because Rudis doesn't make those yet. And then I keep some slides around uh, in case I'm feeling like I don't want to wear my sandals. But that's about it. Everything else I give away. So a lot of AWA wrestlers have uh, a Reebok <laughs> piece of gear here, here or there, like. They're all over the place. So I'm sure Frankie, who's had, what, he's had like 30 UFC fights, right? I'm sure like pieces of Frankie Edward gear, Edgar gear are all over the state of New Jersey. Yeah, so I just looked it up actually. So uh, 32 total fights for Frankie Edgar, the last 25 of them on yeah. UFC cards, going all the way back to UFC 67, and then he has one coming up Crazy. Uh, pretty soon here. Like he's uh, scheduled to fight Pedro Munoz on July 15th. Yeah, so so – Pretty soon coming up, he'll have his 26th UFC fight, 33rd overall professional MMA fight. Hey, can I give some advice to um, Sebastian? Unsolicited, if, obviously. If, if he's listening, yeah, go ahead, Ben. Well, you know, you guys could always like DM him. Or, you, guys, you guys got his number, I'm sure, of some sort. I don't have his <laughs> number. Uh, but I gave this advice to Bo Nickel, and I, I wish he would just do it already. But go to MMA as soon as possible. Um, your window to be an elite athlete is small you know i i lasted till 35 i never thought i was going to last that long i thought i would retire earlier but it takes you minimum a couple years to start making real money in in mixed martial arts like you are not going to make the big bucks in your first say i don't know three to five years of your career right so if you start your mma career at 22 when you graduate college now we're looking at your start. If you if you do well, you can make big bucks. Say twenty six to twenty eight years old, you can start making the big bucks. 
Okay. If you wait, say, two to four years, now you're starting at 24 to 26. Now you're not making big bucks till you're 30, early 30s, right? And you say your time window is going to run out at some. So is your time window going to be five years or is it going to be eight to nine years? And so I I think that even that even that doing wrestling for, say, two to four years after college, listen, guys, if you know you're going to fight, just go fight. Just go fight. That's it. You know, like if you know you're going to do it, go do it. Now, if you're not sure, that's fine. Listen, there's nothing wrong with wrestling. Obviously, we have a lot of good guys who wrestle and don't go fight. But if you know, like Sebastian's saying, I am going to fight. Don't waste time. Go fight. You graduate in 2021, go fight. I also agree with that, obviously, from a non-professional MMA fighter perspective for two reasons. Number one, I think anecdotally we've seen guys who have declared their intentions for MMA and go, when my wrestling wrestling career is done, I want to go MMA. They know they want to go MMA. The last two or three years, they maybe don't accomplish their goals because they're not all in because they're they're dipping their toes in the water. Right. And the second reason being, if you are, and this is something I talked to um, another Bader Show guest, Logan Storley, about. You know, if you are a wrestler, it's obviously very difficult, but you can make it happen as a freshman. You can come into college, be good enough, get, you know, do the work, connect with your coaches, and, and win a title as a freshman. It, overwhelmingly yeah. in MMA, that is just not possible. You have to put in a minimum number of fights, even if yeah. it's two, even yeah. if it's three, but it's more likely five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And so every year that Sebastian gets in, that's another potentially two or three fights. Yeah. That could help push him closer to his ultimate goal, which is, of course, being a, a belt holder. Well, I, but now, let's, I, so I'm not, I'm not a preclude from saying belt holder, and obviously, hell, a belt in, in one and belt or. But it's, it's generally speaking, and you, you can, I, you know, you can go through guys, but once you get to a certain pay threshold, you're no longer going below that, right? Mm-hmm. So the sooner you can get there, where you're making big money, then you have a winner to stay there. But if you don't get there till later in your life. Then, then, yeah, you're not going to get there. And no, and to your point, no, you're not going to win as a freshman. You know, I look up Logan Stoley's record. He started fighting in August 2015. He had five, five fights in a lower organization uh, where then he went to Bellator, and he's now 6-0. But now, you know, obviously we had corona, right? So he hasn't fought since November of 2019. But that is, say, a four-year window where he is steadily building up. And, and you know, now that he's 11-0, he could probably be um, – you know, to a title in two to three more fights or something to where he can become a star and where he can, where he can become a very well-paid athlete. But, yes, it does take time. You know, I said two to three years. I said that was on the very low end. But for some guys, it's four, five, six years, seven years till they get paid really well, and then they only have a couple of years where they're making the big bucks. Now, how do you feel about him – or any wrestler for that matter, going to like say Bellator, like you know your Aaron Pico or your Romero Cotton, yeah. where Bellator comes knocking before they even have one amateur fight mm-hmm. and say we want to sign you. Versus a Logan Storley who you said had five, you know, kind of yeah. amateur, you know, probably lo- more local okay, no, MMA scene cards. Is, is that a good idea? The, uh, yeah, high level wrestlers don't need to waste their time with with amateur mixed martial arts. <laughs> Logan Storley was all pro. Um, they were, you know, he had, so he had five first round finishes before going to Bellator and in RFA and LFA, which are on the higher end 
of the non-major promotions, right? They're, they're right. pretty good shows. Um, yeah, so I, obviously I don't think high-level wrestlers need to waste their time as amateurs. They can get right in, get right, right into fighting. Um, but I don't mind signing with Bellator. You know, there's a lot of UFC elitists, and there's a lot of guys who waste their time waiting for the UFC to call. And it's just not necessary, especially if you start your pro career when you're 22. You know, say you do a three-year Bellator contract. Well, you're only 25 when you get done, right? And if you had success, then you're going to be undefeated or, or close to undefeated, and you're going to build a big name for yourself. So, yeah, between those three major promotions, I would say don't be hesitant to sign with any of them and, and build your name and brand, and then, you know, you can revisit them again. And frankly, I mean, my, I'm, I'm a great example. Free agents generally get better contracts. They do. Shop around. If you, if, you know. Shop around, yeah. I mean, not not all of them, right? You have to be you have to be in demand, that's for sure. But if you look at the pay that I got, um, it is significantly better than guys who have been in the UFC for six to eight years and have twenty UFC fights. Even high level guys, you know, I was I was at the very top of the top on the pay chart. Hey, uh, Ben. <laughs> speaking yeah. of MMA, Storniolo, I don't know if you could call it cutting a promo, but he had some interesting things to. Uh, he had an interesting take on Sebastian transferring to to Rutgers. Uh, Tyler, if you could get that one queued up, I think this will be our last clip of the day from Bader Show. But it was a good Bader Show yesterday, guys. You need to watch it. So let's let's get Storniolo's take on Sebastian Rutgers. Yeah, and so you know we're everybody's looking like oh number one ranked wrestler, and there's no doubt in my mind Sebastian's going to compete with all those guys at, at 141. He's going to be in the in the hunt for a title because he's that good. You know, we we told him these things when we talked to him after the season. Plan was for him to go 41. For us, he, he's going to be able to compete with all those guys. He, he's that good. But there's a little bit of a question mark, uh, you know, moving up weights. So we got to see how that goes. And I guess the uh, the pressure's on, pressure's on Good Al and his staff because he went from 25 to 33 with us, and he, he didn't skip a beat. He beat the returning uh, or a former national champ and number one guys in the country. So don't drop the ball, guys. <laughs> How about Sorniello getting a fit off there, showing off the guns and the neon tank? Oh, I loved it. Yes, and the tan. He's looking pretty tan. Mm-hmm. Well, he was on his roof. He's he said uh, he said he's you know he's got his hammock on his roof. He's he's got his uh, little garden going. But I see that is and look, college coaches can comport themselves however they want. But like I thought that was a good little fun jab at at Rutgers. Like all right, guys, yeah. like you figure it out now, right? That was good. I feel. I feel like that's that's the kind of thing we'd like to see more of. It was still pretty respectful, you know. But yes. hey, you guys got figured out. I loved it. Um, I, I did per- perfect. So, looking at this a little more from the landscape perspective, Ben. Um, so obviously, we have the transfer portal now. And Sebastian mm-hmm. was a grad transfer, and grad transfers are not new, right? I mean that that's. The, the rules have been in place for a while for them to be able to move around a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, but do you think now that there's kind of a there's kind of a model here because we've seen Sebastian, Seth, um, you know, a couple other guys, Willie Miklas, where they maybe spend their first four years, one of which is a redshirt year somewhere, and then come back home or close to home, approximately yeah. close to home. Yeah, I mean, I man, I yeah, I guess I've. If, say, I had graduated in year four at Missouri, there would have been zero chance I was leaving. I loved it there. I had great friendships. 
Um, I had a close relationship with the coaching staff. I mean, for, for what it, it appears, um, Sebastian and Coach Storniolo, there's not like a beef there or anything, right? It's just he, he wanted to go home and Matt respected his decision and that was that. Um, so I don't know, man. I feel like once, you, once you're out of place, it's like I always felt like you develop relationships, which it just makes it really hard to leave and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, I hear you there, but David Bray kind of pointed something out to me. If you if you look at it from the perspective of – well, there's a couple perspectives, right? So number one, Sebastian's case going home. And then number two, in the case of a few grad transfers, it it's a springboard to your career. So you look at Seth Gross. You look at Willie Miklas. They come in for a year as a grad transfer get their first coaching experience. You know, for Seth, it'll be this upcoming year. For Willie, he had this past year. And then, boom, now Willie gets the job at Michigan State. So it helped springboard him into the coaching Oh, my God, did you go to Michigan State? Yeah. Didn't that just happen? Last week? Wow. Okay. Okay. I missed that. Wait, but but no, man. Wait, hold on. Why couldn't someone do coaching at the college they were at already? No, no, I, I, I'm not saying they couldn't. I'm just saying oh, okay, okay. that's another angle from the the, the uh, grad transfer to look at because grad assistantship gets your college paid for, right? Because it. So if you're thinking about a two year grad program, you spend the oh, one year wrestling and the one year coaching. It makes sense. But you could do it. You could do it where you already are. Absolutely, absolutely. You could yeah, do it where it. you are. I'm just saying, given given yeah. the, the the nature of yep. how grad programs are all over the country. I think Makes that sense. was like cherry on top in at least those two instances for Willie and mm-hmm. Seth. I don't think their coaching or their grad assistantship went too much in decision. I think it was Seth wanted to follow Bono. It just fell into place. And Willie, his father, obviously, yeah. uh, that was huge at the time. Uh, yeah, so I'm not saying it it didn't work out or it wasn't good or maybe they didn't it, the thought didn't cross their mind but i don't think that was a big pull of okay i'm going to wrestle one more year of college and yeah. now where do i want to be coaching here i think it and if you like a coach you're going to enjoy coaching with them yes and it's going to work out yes but this is something i can't remember who told me this there's also something to the when you begin your coaching career, because there's like, oh, okay, it's natural, right? That they'll become a volunteer or you know, get, get get their grad degree there, and it's the same program. They know all the guys, but it's also going from being a teammate to a coach in one year can be weird, as opposed to going to a different place. And yes. oh, okay, th- th- I need to look at this guy I respect, as opposed to like, man, I was just drinking with that guy two weekends ago. Now he's my coach. <laughs> uh, it's true. Relationship changes. Yeah. Yeah. How do you know he ain't drinking? How do you know he's not drinking uh, as a senior in college, or uh, you know, a fifth year, whatever you want to call it? He probably well, is. Well, you know, everybody gets a little more mature. You know, they they, they get their drinking out true. early when they're young. They learn. They wisen up. Oh, so if they did something really stupid, like when they were younger, maybe they're more mature. But because they're at the same place, people view them as that stupid yes. uh, freshman or sophomore. Yes, that's, that's an interesting take. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the wrestling community is so small that your reputation kind of follows you. Like, if you're a real idiot mm. at at Iowa State when you transfer to um, somewhere else, you know, someone is going to know someone that says, oh, my God, did you know about Nomad? You will not believe what he did last weekend. And that's, then, boom, right? 
That's fair, but it is different when you saw it versus when you heard it. Sure, that's sure. Yeah, I, I agree. You're, I think you're right on that. Uh, and then another one, and I don't know that I forget when this news kind of came. Chaz Tucker is in the portal. Oh yeah, let's it discuss is, this. It's not for wrestling. It's because he has eligibility left, and he's trying to get a grad assistant position and and weird and dumb bridge but. his career into coaching. But wait, so why doesn't why doesn't he want to wrestle? His, so I you guys had him listed as a senior this year, so I thought his eligibility was done. Why does he not want to wrestle? That I don't know. I have not spoken to Chaz. Can we ask him why he doesn't want to wrestle? I mean, listen, Cornell has a really good team next year. They can really use a good 33-pounder. You're going to have Vito at 25. You're going to have Yanni probably at 41, 49. Why can't they talk this man into wrestling a few matches? Like Chaz, Chaz we don't need you all season. Uh, but, you know, if you can help us out, it, say, at EIWAs and NCAs, that'd be great. It is weird. You see it sometimes where guys get a career outside of wrestling – they want to go on, and if they're going into business, finance, whatever, a lot of times, you yeah. know, you'll see, you'll do the, they'll redshirt and they'll do their four years and have one year of eligibility left, but they say, hey, I'm graduating, I'm moving on. It is strange yes. that you don't see it too often with a guy who goes, no, I actually just want to coach. Yeah. And yeah. so I'll have eligibility well, left. And it's also interesting because, so my understanding from what Mike Grace told me and then what, what Chaz was saying on the Bader show, first of all, Chaz Tucker, unsurprisingly, Ivy League educated, is brilliant. Um, but he is uh, computer science, right? And he designed his own designed his own computers, and I, I think he was building like a video game system or something there for a while. So mm. he, he he's well, he's so very high level. Don't at that. be a grad assistant, young man. Go but, make your but money. So, right, what right. Do the point. That's the confusing thing, right? Is now now he wants to go into coaching, and obviously he, he can do whatever he wants if he wants to coach. That's awesome. But it's just it it's it's a little counterintuitive to what I think maybe Cornell thought he was going to end up doing, and maybe and maybe it's to get. Maybe it's simply to get a coaching position while he maybe takes an internship in an area or, or like, like say he goes to uh, a school that's in a large city that has maybe a large tech industry and he's interning for a company. So he's still getting paid as a wrestling coach, but can kind of bridge that as he works his way into a full-time employee for that company. That wouldn't surprise huh. me. Interesting thought. I'm well, playing checkers. You're playing chess. He's playing chess. <laughs> I don't know if he's a BTC guy. I, you should ask him. That would be relevant to the discussion. <laughs> but I, so I, I mean, it sounds like Chaz has his has his options available, and I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody threw some RTC money at him, right? And now yeah. he's he would he's a tweener, right? He's a he's pretty clearly a sixty-one kilo. Wait, guy. wait, wait, no, no, Matt, no, Matt, stop! If he doesn't want to wrestle in college, why the hell does he want to wrestle freestyle? So he can make money. money. Why doesn't he just go buy Bitcoin or, or put, make video games or stuff? <laughs> Not everyone believes in Bitcoin, Ben. <laughs> well, they should. If they don't, they don't some, listen to vote. Some people don't. Do some, do some research. Some people <laughs> don't happen to believe in Bitcoin, Ben. Well, some people are brainwashed by the United States government that the Fed is a government institution. Here we go. We just got kicked off Facebook. Oh, we, we reduced our Hey, Alex Jones uh, was back in the news. Oh, my God. I don't even know if I can say his name oh on God. Facebook, uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we went off the rails. CP's never letting you come on again. You brought up Alex Jones. Uh, oh I'll tell you what, Joe. Yeah. That one got, <laughs> a, little, that one got a little out of hand. Uh, okay, but wait, wait, wait. So Chaz Tucker, if he doesn't want to as a folk style, why is he going to as a freestyle? 
If he wants to be a coach, he's going to be a coach, right? He's not actually going to go compete. Listen, we need to get Chaz Tucker on this program and ask him some tough questions. And then Yanni, Yanni needs to go work his magic and talk Chaz into sticking around for, listen, you don't need to do 30 matches, Chaz. Give us 12 matches. A couple big duels, EIWAs, NCAs, we're good to go. Lehigh duel, Princeton duel, they probably have, they usually have a good non-conference duel. He would also have to go back to school at Cornell. But if he's going to go be a grad assistant coach, he's going to do school, Well, maybe Cornell, he's clearly smart. Maybe Cornell doesn't have the degree, the post-grad degree he wants. Mm. Oh! Come on the podcast and discuss, Chaz. Hey, Dan Seifering just reverse dunked on us. And as usual, the Ivy League will not allow athletes to compete as grad students, grad students, despite shortened spring season. The Ivy League will not change its policies to allow graduate students to compete in varsity athletics. Despite despite the spring athletic season being cut short due to coronavirus, the athletic conference ruled Thursday afternoon. I don't know what Thursday that was, Wait. but we have our answer. So he wouldn't be able to he compete. He's ineligible to compete based on Ivy League rules. Uh, oh, that, in this case, this makes so much more sense now. Yes. Yes, so our apologies to Rob Cole couldn't uh, swing that. I don't think Rob Cole has quite that much power. He's got a lot of power. He has quite that much power. Shout out Maybe to Maybe he should have done a Bubba Jenkins and failed a few classes. <laughs> I, I don't I think Chaz is uh maybe I don't know. Chaz has a little different aspirations than than, than Bubba. It worked out for Bubba. I don't know, maybe yes. that would work out as well for Chaz. Hmm. I mean, you know, as, an, as a future employer, you'd be like, why did you fail these classes? And, you know, he'd be like, well, I want to wrestle next year. And he'd be like, well, I really like the initiative, and you're outside the box thinking, I am definitely going to hire you. That's – I hear you, Ben, and I'm, I'm not I'm – not, uh, uh, Seafring just tweeted at you as well. Um, but, Uh-oh. yeah, I, I, I don't quite think that's uh, how it played out, but – Ben, I like the way you're, but maybe, you're thinking outside the box. You never know. Never know. Outside the uh, box thinking is the way to go. Uh, do we want to get into some questions from friends that I share? I think I need to share uh, Tyler on it. We got. We don't have to go the full time. But we got about a half hour left. If you, we got to get. Yeah. Well, you, hey, you you didn't pull as many questions as uh, as uh, CP usually does. So we only have a few. I guess we just answer them and then you know if we're done a few minutes early, we're done a few minutes early. Well, and. I, I so something that I don't think CP does enough is um, go back, like if he doesn't get to the question. Oh yeah, because we have a Google Doc document. of every single FRL since time immemorial. Mm. So I do yeah. have uh, five fourteen, five thirteen, five twelve open because I haven't been on the doc recently because I haven't been on the show. Wait, so I also think we can go back in time. No man, you have this one labeled as five fifteen. I thought this was five fourteen. This is 515. 515. It's a Central Iowa area. Oh, who, I got a what? Johnson sweatpants Wait. on today. Oh, Actually, I don't know if you can see. Did it, did it Pyle I say 514 when yeah, he, he screwed the up. show? Oh, Pyle's mess. Got, okay. Yes. Got it. Not infallible, uh, Christian Piles. Hmm. Yeah, do you want to get any questions from friends, Ben, or was there anything else that you were? Um, No, let's go. All right. Um, <laughs> the first one. From Joe Caprino, sometimes friend of the program, sometimes enemy of the program, but usually good for a funny tweet. Um, does and and Tyler, I hope you have it queued up here. Does Ben Askren have access to a time machine? Was he part of the Indiana wrestling team in 1943? And he even has it circled 
for the E's here. Tyler's getting loaded up. Um, ben, this is you. you <laughs> what is this, Ben? I have seen this a few times. <laughs> it's this has come up before? I, this has come up before. I, I don't know what to say. That, that guy has any similarity to me. Uh, there's there's another – someone else has shared a few pictures of him, and it's like weird. It feels really weird. I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I don't think he's related to me in any way, shape, or form, but he sure as shit looks like it. We're about to get a super zoom in here. Let's see if we can zoom enhance. Oh, there we go. That's I imagine that That's is what Ben would look like in 1943. That, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I don't, I don't know what to say. Pre-Bitcoin era. That guy also well, happened you know to be what? a, a two-time champ, four-time finalist with a funky style. I will tell you, yeah, Bitcoin was not invented in 1943. I will <laughs> tell you guys, uh, um, my grandfather, who he, he's not, he's not with us anymore. But he actually was from the state of Indiana, and uh, he kind of—I don't want to say he kicked out of the house, but his family was one of those Catholic families that had like 13 kids, and they they sent him to a work farm at like age 13. And then he joined the military at, and he, he, he forged his paperwork when he was 16 to say he was 18 so he could join the military. Um, and he 15? did not have a relationship. I think he was 16 and he said he was 18. Still. So, so he could join the, yeah, so he could join the military. He's a badass. Um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, that was right around the time of World War II. And uh, so, you know, I don't know like my history beyond my grandparents, but he was from, Indiana. This guy's from Indiana, so who knows? Maybe there Connect is the some type of relation there. We don't know. I have uh, I actually have a pretty good knowledge because we have the Lobdell family genealogy, which is a very large book. Wow. Yeah. And so my great-grandfather, so my father's father's father, he – I, I have some random uh, – let's see. What's that down the line? Fourth cousin, right, at that point if they're – grandfather's kids um great grandkids yeah i i supposedly have some some family in nebraska because chauncey lobdell started the family in new york <laughs> then took off then took off for nebraska started a whole new family over in nebraska with the same guy yes oh wow peaced out wow dang that's crazy yeah my grandfather no, man, it is so it's it's so fitting that your grandfather's name is Chauncey. Great grandfather. Great grandfather. Oh, whatever. It fits. It fits. Yeah. My grandfather's name is Douglas <laughs> Lobdell, and he's an absolute badass. He is also no longer with us, but uh, wherever he is, he's doing badass things. This man, this man, uh, he laid um, airstrip in Reykjavik and Iran and traveled all over the world, and he's in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. He grew Christmas trees. He had a thousand acre farm. I mean, this is a real wow. This is a real badass. He was he a could... pilot. He had his own casino. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. He, he, yeah, some of the yeah, I was some <laughs> But uh, he used to take three quarter tree bar and bend it into a horseshoe because he just Ooh, had nice. a freak like neck. Yeah, I don't know how actually hard that is, but, but, but you have could, to he, be some could he crush a watermelon though? I should try. I should try the rebar thing. How do I get a three quarter inch rebar? And like, know. what what is an impressive size? Is like five sixteenths of an inch? Is that not good? But three fourths of an inch is good. Like, 
you know, what size do I need? We got to talk. You? Yeah, we got to talk to to our uh, construction friends there and see mm. see the way to go there. Yeah, yeah, he's badass though. All right, let's get the next one from our man, uh, Corey Kundert. I'm sorry, Corey, you, you tweet us all the time, so if I mispronounce your last name, I don't know if it's Kundert or Kundert or a completely different way of saying it, but uh, Corey, a loyal listener. Can you guys talk about the career of the career Nazar Kolchitsky had? Three-time D3 national champ with very limited folk style experience coming into college. He had an underrated senior-level career, always super competitive with the elite wrestlers from the United States, and also just a great guy. I've never really had a bad interaction with Nazar um, no, ben, I've never heard one anybody say one bad not, thing about not a bad thing. He was a little younger than you, so I don't know how much you got to yeah, hear about I, him. I, I know. No, okay. I, I know him quite a bit. Um, yeah, I would say, you know what? I was actually kind of having a discussion with Jaden Cox a few days back, and obviously this sort of applied in Nazar, but uh, guys who, who wrestle at the major programs, the Iowa, Minnesota, Ohio State, they, they just have, it's so much easier to kind of get a following even than, say, a Missouri like Jaden Cox. And so then if you're a D3 guy, it's super hard to kind of gain a following going into international wrestling. You'd have to, say, make a couple world teams like, say, Terrell Delagnep did or something uh, in order to get that huge following. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of kind of the reasoning there. Um, but, yeah, he was always competitive, never made a team. I can't, The highest he finished was maybe third. I remember one time he, he took down James Green and laced him up a few times. Maybe that was 24. 15 or 2014 um but yeah i mean really really competitive never made a team it gets celebrated a lot more in mma because of the greater health risk but retiring um early if you want to say whatever that nazar retired early yeah but people celebrate when mma fighters retire early a lot more than wrestlers but in my mind if you know, and it's kind of like the whole going over to MMA, but if you know, all right, I maybe he yeah. had a legitimate look in the mirror and said, okay, I'm not going to beat Burroughs, Imar, Dake, uh, and I don't want to wrestle for a full another year. I don't want to train hard for a full another year. I'm coaching yeah. right now. I get much more enjoyment um, and fulfillment out of coaching. Like, why would I put my body through a full another year of – and it's easy for us to say, like, whoa, well, why wouldn't you just train one more year and go to the Olympics? But a year is a long time. I mean, to yeah. go through a full Mo training Mo talked about it. He's like, that's 300 more practices. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so. Yeah, I, I, I think we saw a lot of guys do that this year, Mazzari. right? Yeah. Um, yeah he, so. he was another one, and they're not exactly similar. But a little Echemendia-ish in that he kind of showed up late, yeah. late in his career at Fargo, did really well. Looking through, he beat uh, Chris Villalonga, who at the time was super high-level recruit, uh, had a very I close match he, with Andrew Alton, ended up third. Yeah, he lost to one Fargo. of the Altons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he lost to one of the Altons. That was, that was his only loss. But, yeah, he, man, because mm, he did come over until he was 17 maybe or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't quite yeah. know what happened. And then um, you know, when when we posted the so that that interview I think was from either a year or two ago, but we posted it yesterday around this time. And uh Mel Dow guy from from Wisconsin that I talked to quite a mm-hmm. bit. Um he tweeted uh oh, the stories we could tell Google Translate ESL 
uh, classes, weight cuts, feeding us borscht. We knew he was special when he arrived with one duffel bag. His first question was, when can he work out? In all the middle of the night reports, he was in the school working out. Um, so, I, you know, the the exact reasons of, of how he ended up in, in America don't really matter to me, but he, he's had a, a really great impact on the people that he's known. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and it's hard, right, because we don't – Sometimes, you know, to JD's point about the the retirement thing, we don't always get to celebrate these guys, right? Like sometimes guys retire and things are going on and it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Um, you know, I, I, I remember kind of when, when Logan retired, I don't I don't feel like we did yeah, a good job kind of celebrating his career because it was – I just remember it being a very kind of packed time of the year. Um, so I definitely feel bad when we don't get to celebrate guys' careers. But um, even, even a guy like Nazar who – Yes, he never made a world team, but he made a bunch of national teams. He was super entertaining, um, great story, mm-hmm. and he's gonna—he's probably gonna have an awesome uh, club. And you know, he might knock off Ben Askren. So I don't know, man. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't be singing his praises uh, too highly. It's coming for your neck. Yeah, Etchmendia should uh, hit him up, ask him what he did, because he, you know, is Division Three, but clearly had success in folk style. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. The his thing was clearly not a talent thing. Oh no! It was just yes. kind of when he came. Um, yes. Let's see, Pat Hitchler. I'm not a Penn State super fan, but I think in 2022, Starocky, Brooks, Beard, Kirkfleet could end up being as dominant as Taylor Brown, Ruth Wright in 2013. Thoughts? I strongly um, disagree. Strongly disagree. That bar is so incredibly high. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not even that's not even an anti Starocky, Brooks, Beard, no. Kirkfleet sentiment necessarily. That's just like. That's a very, very high bar. Yeah, I mean, we're talking all-timer NCAA champ, all-timer two-time champ. Mm-hmm. So you got to have you got to have two all-timers in there and two other champions. Like, come on. And of course, for guys like so, Brooks was the only one that lost. You know, so <clears throat> when you talk about Brooks being all-timer, if he wins three, he'll still be considered an all-timer. But yeah. Everyone, you know, in 20 years, hopefully everyone kind of has the knowledge. Like, hey, you he lost out on an opportunity. And maybe he wouldn't have won, but he was certainly but, in the mix to win this year. Nomad, say, say he won two of the next three, right? Mm-hmm. Would he be considered an all-timer? Because you got like a guy like Vincenzo Joseph who won two, could have could have potentially won the third this year. But I don't think people, and, and we had this debate, I don't think people hold him on this in the same regard as they do Taylor, Ruth, Zane, Nolf. Those guys, and we because we talked about how high that the Penn State guys have now set the bar for what it takes to be an all-timer. Vincenzo was the guy who won multiple NCAA titles, and I don't think he's considered in that category. Well, I think part of part of Vincenzo's problem, I I don't know what word to use there, but when you are in the same literal room as yes. yeah. those guys, you get overlooked. And when you came after yeah. Taylor and Ruth right. brought that in. So if Chenzo wrestled for basically literally anywhere else, he would be vaulted higher, not because the accomplishments are any different, but just because of look around the room. Yeah. Yeah, But as for Brooks, to the Brooks question, it depends. If he he peels off two out of three, but he goes 107 and two with a 74% bonus rate, and is murking people for three years, then yeah, he should be considered an all-timer. It's when, you know, you have... So I think a big thing, like, undefeated seasons are really extremely difficult. And 
I yes. get into a lot of arguments with people because I do the hard rankings and I pull people out when they lose. <laughs> and I'm like, look, part of dominance As is showing up every yeah. day and winning. Consistent. Yeah, I agree. Consistent dominance Holy is hard. Oh, and then within that, within that, yes, there is not just winning, but winning big, putting on a show, pinning people, right? Take taking people down, putting them on their back. But yeah, if Brooks peels off, you know, over 100 wins and, you know, 70, 75% bonus rate with multiple national titles, yeah, he should be considered an all-timer. Storaki's yeah. um, a little hard because he went undefeated, but he didn't quite get the level of competition. And so it's a lot of yeah. potential, right? It's a lot of we, 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 yeah. we've seen it. We know how good he can be, but we just haven't seen him against those guys. Um, I think well, he's honestly, no, Storaki no to me is the key to their, their season next year. Yeah, I, I think Stro, Stro, I mean Stroke, I Stroke, I think is has high potential. But when you're looking at this, it's essentially, you know, Brooks has kind of proved himself. But again, he wasn't number. He could have won NCAs, but wasn't number one. I think it was number five seed, I believe. Three. Um, number okay, number three seed. But Stroke, uh, Beard, and Kirk, it's all potential. And so let's even say, let's even give Brooks the right. I went through Taylor Brown, Ruth, and Wright. Let's give Brooks the all-timer. Okay, out of that other group of three, which all has potential but does not have any NCAA accomplishments yet, we're talking one all-timer and two other guys who have NCAA titles. Like, that's it's a lot to, no matter who it is, that's a lot to grasp from just having potential. Yeah, and again, it's just it's just a high bar. And, of course, we said, everyone said the same thing. Oh, wait till, you know, Taylor yeah. and Ruth leave, and then they ripped off Nickel and... and and uh, Zane and all. Penn State's been so effing good. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the whole point. Why we have the we are doc and like and like everything. So, um, it, it's skepticism, but it's skepticism with the fact of knowing that they didn't just do it one time. They've done it yes. multiple times. Um, yes, agreed. So, I don't know. I think I think Starocky and Kirkfleet kind of decide where they fall next year. Um, that's just my opinion. Yes. Uh, Kevin Mulder, Mulder Acres. What has been asked for an opinion on the book Can't Hurt Me? I heard him mention Goggins on the show last week. I assume you're talking about David Goggins? Yes, David Goggins. Uh, I, I I, mean, I don't like to be critical, but I didn't really like it that much. I thought it, it was too simplistic, um, meaning I felt like this, that every chapter was the same thing. And obviously his message is, in fact, resonating with a lot of people. It didn't resonate with me all that much. To me, the message was, I here's something I did. It was really hard. I'm really tough though. Here's where I struggled and where I almost quit, but I didn't quit because I'm a freaking savage. And that was like every chapter, just repeat, 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 repeat. And um, you know, like I said, his message is resonating with a lot of people. It, I guess because toughness is not something I feel as though I lack. Uh, it just didn't resonate with me, and I thought the message was was fairly simple. Hmm. Okay. Did you guys but, read it? Or? No, but I would say that's okay. also your perspective, Ben. I mean, like sometimes people no, just need not. a club in the head to, like, oh, maybe I do need to be tougher. Yeah. So I'm saying for me, yes, yes, toughness is important. And I, I said obviously his message is resonating with a lot of people. I believe it's a best-selling book, um, and he, you know, he's a very popular guy right now. But to me, I want to read about like innovation or how to build something or. Um, really unique, outside-the-box problem-solving. Like, I got the toughness part in check. I don't need that. I need other things. Um, and so that's kind of um, the stuff I like reading about. All right, Billy Badass. 
Uh, I have not read the book, so I cannot give you an opinion on it. Kevin Mulder, he specifically asked Ben Askren, so he probably doesn't care about mine. Yes. JD, have you read the book? No. Okay. <laughs> but I will say David Goggins is a badass. All right. He, I mean, he's a badass. There's no, 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 no doubt about that at all. Moving on to the next one, Bailey Brown at Dan's Brita Filter, frequent question asker. A simple one, who is JD's favorite wrestler? Askarov. Doug Rose Garf. Okay. Why? Nice. Because he, in my opinion, has been, like, the most fun to watch, basically. And he kind of fit the, like, coming up, like, what, like my first, like, Olympics that I remember watching and, like, World Champs stuff, like, around that 2011-12, which is when he started, kind of started to come through. Won Olympic gold in 2012 at 19, I think it was, mm-hmm. and beat legend Kudakov in doing so. He. Yeah. Could have won mm-hmm. in 2016 if Romanov wasn't on his absolute tear. I forget exactly what the scenario was there, why he went so crazy. Well, okay. How do you not know this? Besic, who I think basically everyone loves, as they should, was Romanov's... Besic is to Romanov as yes, Frankie Edgar is to Sebastian Rivera. Besic died, yes. Yeah. And so, as though you needed any more ammunition or uh, to win motivation the to win the Olympics, it was, oh, this is the guy that took my idol's dream away from me. I'm going to pound him into the earth. Yes. <laughs> uh, good stuff. And I think he had on the Besic shirt after he won, like in, an, in his interview. I can't quite yes, remember that. Yes, it was that. huge. That's, I just couldn't remember exactly. I remember there was something yeah. that why he went crazy in 2016. But, I mean, Asgaro's just his slide-by, his shuck. The things Gina he did brow. with his legs, his brow, yes, everything. I don't, I don't care if he used steroids. It's still my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boo! <laughs> ben, did you? Uh, we we probably talked about it on the show. Did you see the Vogar uh, stuff? We talked about the the pills. We did talk about it on the show last week. We talked about it on the show. I didn't see it. I watched a little bit of that, but I didn't see. It. I my brother, my brother allegedly informed me that Vogar. Maybe coming to Wisconsin sometime soon. That's awesome. Phenomenal. A lot of Vogar. Yeah. Also, yeah. watch the Mike Mal Vogar yeah. wall talk. That was awesome. Um, and that was done in okay. Oklahoma. Uh, one more, and this is from Justin Hale, who you may remember Justin Hale from when he came on FRL and yeah, was he, going. He works for you guys, right? Yeah, he mm-hmm. works. Yeah, he works for Flo, and he came on FRL because yeah. he was going to wrestle in the. Yeah. Well, he did. He, he he backed he up. Was open. <laughs> senior nationals, and senior he, nationals. he wrestled like Lavalley or somebody, and made it the second period. I don't know. Justin Hale's a badass because he put his money where his mouth is and did something non. You know, I wouldn't do. Um, since Etchy uh, Raider JD is from Iowa, he'll be good to get the ball rolling on this. Coach Bobby Douglas should have a flow film about his life and success in wrestling. Can we expect this in February 2021? I don't JD? know about expecting it, uh, but I am absolutely on board. Bobby Douglas, obviously a legend. We did do the night of Bobby Douglas mm-hmm. um, with Bono and Wisconsin. Uh, was that this earlier this season? Yeah. Yep, uh, yes. so a bunch of great stories from his athletes and stuff like that. Uh, coming up, actually, since I'm from the Ames area, I Bobby would actually kind of sometimes come into our club and teach, and he's just a phenomenal mind. It was always funny. So he legitimately wears, like, those coon hats, like, and yes. then they have, like, little coon tail, <laughs> and his sweats tucked into his Ugg boots 
always keeps did the he, fanny did pack have, on. Did he have his yes fanny pack? He had yeah, always had the fanny pack on. And how he shows technique because at this point he you know he's old. Uh, I think he's had a couple of hip replacements. He just points with his feet like he'll come over and just say, "Do this." <laughs> And do this and just like points with his feet instead of because he can't be too mobile yeah. and bend down yeah. and whatnot. Everything's a tackle, double leg tackle. <laughs> I, uh, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. I have long thought uh, Bobby Douglas is one of the more underrated people in the landscape of uh, American wrestling, both in terms of, you know, as a competitor, as a coach. You know his impact within uh, the African American community of, of wrestling and, and the impact he's had there. Um, obviously, being the the first black head coach of a, a national championship team. Um, the thing that really stinks about Bobby and why I was very excited to do that Bobby Douglas night when um, Wisconsin hosted Penn State and and Bono and Kale were there, and, and then obviously kind of from them, you know, Varner and Reeder had the the tree of Bobby Douglas through them. Um, that's why I was very excited to be there because there's a bunch of ex wrestlers there, and you could just just feel the reverence they had for this this yeah. guy who had such a, a important impact on his career. I mean, Chris Bono is like this guy taught me how to wrestle. He's like, I came to college mm-hmm. and I knew I was tough. This guy taught me how to wrestle. He taught me how to watch film. He taught me how to be a coach and appreciate all these things. And you know, maybe Chris Bono would have ended up being a coach, but that that helped him, right? And that helped John Reader and that yes. helped Kale Sanders. Well, Kale's not Kale without Bobby. There's no way. There's yep. no way. And if you think he's not pulling some coaching tactics or whatever insight from Bobby that he's using, or just you're wrong. just just film, right? Like like Bobby has this legendary collection of film, and obviously it's a little easier now with yeah. you know, digital and flow and every, you know everything being streamed. But um, I'm sure that had an influence on on Kale, and I would not be surprised if he yeah. he voraciously watched film. So yeah, I don't know um, if we'll ever get a Bobby Douglas flow film, and it really sucks because he was a little bit, you know, he kind of ended a little bit before Flo came along, and so we never really got a lot of the Bobby Douglas stuff. But, um, yeah, Bobby Douglas is amazing, all-timer. Nice. I love love Bobby Douglas. I would love to see that, but I cannot force you guys to do any type of films. Ben, you could just fund all of these things. You know, you're independently wealthy. You got all this Bitcoin money. Uh, All right. You fund a couple Flo films. so much more than the UFC roster. (laughs) Uh, maybe if I can, maybe if I retain permanent rights, then I'll, uh, I'll take about. Oh, you're going to Wayne Boyd us now with, uh. Well, we can do independent production, maybe. <laughs> Something like that. Do you have a production company? I don't yet, but I should create one. I kind of, I kind of <laughs> am surprised at that. Well, you know, I did create, well, I said technically I did create an LLC called Astra Media for a lot of the things I do. Uh, that was created on January 1st. So I guess, who knows, maybe Ask Media can do production as well. Do you have a DBA? Well, actually, I, well, you know, Ask Media, that, that, that would, that would encompass production. I actually just pitched on uh, social media yesterday that Chase Hooper and Sugar Sean O'Malley come up and we do some type of, you know, really short skit on me being their father. Um, I, I think we could have a lot of fun with that. So that would be, I guess that would be my first official production if, uh, you know, if they come up here. All right. I love it. All right, boys, we didn't yes. get we didn't get the full uh, hour and a half, so we let Christian down. It's 942. But I think we had a great show today, and I think we'll awesome. have another tremendous show tomorrow. I'll be here all week. J.D., are you back? Are we, are we scooting Bray in? What are we doing here? Are we just going full J.D. Raider all week? I'm fine with that. I, I, I think J.C., we go this, this is the takeover. 
<laughs> he yeah, ain't letting it go. Alright, thank you for watching episode 515 of FRL. Watch the Bader Show later today. Who we have? We have Nazar on the Bader Show. Nazar on the Bader Show, Eric Thompson, the Golden Bear. Uh, it'll be Bader and Bray. And yeah, make sure you're watching FRL 516 tomorrow morning, same time, same place. See you guys.